Hello. This is Michael Stone, the host of We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. We're committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. In our programs, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. People are waking up and all of it comes down to doing our personal work. And so that's what we're here for today. I'm just gonna start. The, um, the main issue around stress, stress is a word that obfuscates what's actually happening, that it really hides what's happening. When I say I'm so stressed and I hear that so often, I'm so anxious, I just, I'm immobilized, I'm overwhelmed, all of these things that we say, it's kind of like saying I'm sick. Because when you say I'm sick, you don't really say anything. You could have COVID or you could have a cold or runny nose. It doesn't really say anything. So what is it that stress, when I say I'm stressed, what is it? And what I'm saying is that my current capacity is insufficient to deal my, and it's my current capacity is insufficient to meet the challenges that are happening in my life. So that makes it that it's really an issue of capacity because my current capacity is insufficient to meet the difficulties, the challenges, the things that are, that are difficult. So it comes down to, for me and the work that I do with people, then how do we expand our capacity? And of course, stress, anxiety, and overwhelm are all related to trauma. And I say that word trauma, meaning the big T, like something terrible happened, I was molested or raped, or I was in a car accident, or the little T, you know, all the things that happen in our early adaptation. How did my, did my parents pay attention to me? Or did they have five kids and they didn't have time for me and I, and I didn't feel seen and I didn't feel heard? That attachment wounding that comes early on, that all of us have some bit of that because our parents and our ancestors and all the way back have been wounded over time. And those are passed down through generation, through generation, through generation. So when we heal our own capacity and we do that by integrating the undigested trauma and experiences from the past that keep our natural goodness, our essence suppressed. And the thing is that that was a very good thing when it happened. So we think that something's wrong or something's broken or something's malfunctioning in us, but that's not true. Everything we think is a dysfunction is serving a function of some kind. That's really important to get, 
that there's nothing to fix and there's nothing to broken, that we have an intelligent nervous system that in its intelligence, when an overwhelming situation occurred in our life, in order for us to survive, it pushed down the experience of that. That's what trauma is. It's pushed down. It's frozen past that gets embodied in our body, literally in our body, and that contracts our inner spaciousness. In other words, our capacity. So another thing that's important to know about trauma is that what is happening to you is not the trauma. It's not the, the trauma is not the cause of the suppression. Trauma, what's the source of what's keeping you not having the capacity is what happened in you when the trauma happened. The stories you made up, the experiences that you had that shoved the emotion down, the beliefs that were created out of it, like I'm not enough, I'm unlovable, just, you know, the myriad of stories, the inner critic, all of that, all of that is a product of these suppressed parts of ourselves. So the question is, how do we create more capacity? And we create more capacity by expanding our inner awareness. It's not that there's anything that needs to be fixed or broken. The awareness itself is the healer. So in my courses, like the Way of the Mystic and the others, I teach a model that is presencing first, that we're presencing what's going on in my body, what's going on in my emotions, what's going on in my mind, what's going on in my relationships to others and the world. And so that takes the time to be aware or to be with someone who can co-regulate the experience with you in a safe environment, which is what the groups I do are doing. They're able to, in a safe space and seeing others, oh, others have that also. We then raise up our our energetic selves and our ability to be more aware with what's happening in our body. So presencing is the act of focusing in on our interiority and again, our emotions, our body sensations, felt sense, our mental activity and our relational activity. Because part of what keeps us stuck in these frozen times from the past where our nervous system, where our nervous system said, whoa, too much, stop, let's push that down, and then the person will be safe. And so we have a lot of those frozen parts that are pushed down. I started with presencing. So we zoom in to those areas. And what's happening is for most of us, there's, because of these things from the past, a disembodiment has occurred that I'm not fully in my body because it takes a lot of energy to hold down these frozen parts. It took energy when it went 
when our nervous system said no too much, but then we have to keep pushing it down. So our nervous system is still protecting us from something that happened a long time ago. It isn't happening now. Is that making sense, what I'm saying? So what we want to do is to first presencing. We bring our awareness and we look to see, is there alignment between what's happening in my body and what's happening in my emotions? And emotions, I distinguish between feelings and emotions. Feelings happen in the head, even though they create much of the same chemical reaction, the different things that happen in the body, they're not, we're not experiencing them in the body. So anger in the mind is very different than anger in the body. And so we attune with the felt sense in our body as much as we can. Again, it takes a safe place, co-regulation. Then with the felt sense in our body, with our emotions and with our thoughts, and most of us, my teacher, Gabrielle Roth, I danced with and studied with for 40 years and still teach, I still teach the five rhythms occasionally in my workshops, but he used to say we're schizophrenic. You know, we're, we're thinking one thing, we're saying another thing and, our, we're, and we're feeling another thing and our body is saying something else. So everything is out of alignment. So this work of presencing is to begin to bring ourselves into alignment with all the different parts of ourselves. And then the second step in that is when we begin, and we do that through meditation, contemplation, and prayer are the three paths, three primary mystical traditions that do that. There's much more like being in nature and which I teach in all the different courses. So there's many more than that, but we're presencing and then something happens in meditation and in inner seeing, in seeing. Rilke called it in seeing. I thought that was a beautiful term. That we then, there's this point that comes. And when you practice meditation, there's a point that comes where there's a split. Because you're presencing, you're bringing awareness in the body. But then you bring awareness to the awareness you're having, which is a split. In other words, I'm watching my mind race. I'm watching oh, yeah. my body. Well, who's the I'm that's watching, right? That's, that's a very important split in meditation that happens, where then in the witnessing aspect, we go deeper and we become more aware of awareness itself and awareness being what we're watching in ourselves. And so that takes us deeper in. And again, to go back to saying, what are we doing here? We're trying to create more inner capacity and deal with all the frozen parts that have been pushed down. So when I bring awareness, I create more inner capacity to hold more world, more upset, more divisiveness, more difficulties, challenges, hardships, you know, I'm more able to respond rather than react to those difficulties. So that's the second step. There's much more to it. I'm, it's much more nuanced than that. But at that point, when I'm witnessing, then I'm really dropping from the head down into the felt sense. And I'm dropping from the 
feelings of emotion to the experience of the emotion in my body. And at that point, all of these traumas that we were talking about, all of these little things that happened that I didn't get looked at, or they all have a time signature, the events. Some of them are in utero, some of them are pre-verbal. Some of them, many of them happened in the first five to seven years in the attachment phase where we, as mammals, we need the bonding that happens in order to survive. And if there was any threat to the bonding that was happening, if a parent wasn't there, if a divorce happened, if a fight went on, all of these things may not seem so big, but they're huge. And so there's a time signature in every, every aspect of this dissociation, this freezing of ourself. And all it is is the nervous system protecting us. So it's an intelligence. It's not a brokenness. It's an intelligence that's in us that is handed down through hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. And now we're just beginning to realize there's nothing to fix because in the witnessing phase, we begin to bring an awareness uh, that's much deeper, that creates the capacity. And then the third step is to embrace what we find. So let's say I, I'm still and I go in and I'm maybe guided to feel, and we'll do some of this here in this, in this session. I just want to give a background of it. And we, all of a sudden an image is come, comes up of say our parents fighting and we're three years old and we're sitting on the landing, looking down and watching this and we want to do something, but we can't, we're small, we can't, but we're, we're feeling like I should do something. And so in the fear that happens, we shove that down and we adapt. And in that scenario, we have the helper. All of a sudden, I'm pushing down that part, but I need to help everybody as I grow older because I've now adapted to this suppression of the fear, but I'm out there being a social worker or a helper. So that's kind of how these things go. In the suppression, also you build certain strengths and capacities to overcome the freezing of your, your authenticity, really. And if it comes to my authentic self-expression versus attachment in early attachment theory, what do you think you'll choose every time? Attachment, yes, right, exactly. So, so it's, it stops us from being our most authentic self because you don't, you know, that you don't want to touch that fear. You don't want to be seen. You don't, you know, you want to be seen and you don't want to be seen. It's that, that movement in between there. So when we then find those places and we discover, yeah, I remember that I was so scared and I wanted to do something and I couldn't and I felt so small and so unable and so insignificant. And then you get an image of that and you see yourself sitting on the stairway watching this and you go back there and you embrace that younger self and you hold her 
uh, or him, you know, next to your heart and you, in your adult self, tell that younger self what you would say to any three-year-old that was going through this. Sweetheart, I love you so much. You were really scared then when that happened. And I know that was really hard for you, but you you made it. I'm here and you made it. And I want you to know, I still get scared sometimes and it's okay to be scared. And I love you so much and I'll always be with you. And that's how we reparent. That's how we embrace those parts of us that have been fragmented off and we then allow them to be the way we are because change doesn't happen from what you do or trying to fix something in fact that causes the the perpetuation of the very thing because if we're always in present time in the moment and you're trying to change something what are you saying with the other breath that something's broken because you wouldn't fix something unless you felt it was broken. So when you try to fix something, you perpetuate the very thing you're trying to fix. But when you bring awareness to it and you allow yourself to feel the unfelt feelings, your nervous system literally goes from tension to release, tension to release, just like that, just like I'm doing with my hands, tension to release. There's no real doing in there. It's a releasing. And so there's nothing to do to fix because real change comes from honoring what's so, what's there, recognizing, presencing, bringing your full attention, witnessing it. And when you do that and there's that release, the conditions for real change occur and we create more inner capacity to hold the difficulties and challenges of life. So that's just a little overview. I, I wanna now open it up for doing work and for questions and who'd like to do some work today and look at something? Or if you have any questions, you know, that also. Well, I have an issue. <laughs> yeah, Suzanne, please. <laughs> well, uh, yesterday I was really very, very angry about something I heard politics <laughs> about the corona wow it was really really tough thing i just wanted to be off and well uh, sort of invite my friends to a good old celtic headhunt <laughs> on somebody <laughs> and i just sat with it with it and said to myself okay look what it is let it be and underneath was no surprise fear, mm -hmm. um, really strong fear. Um, I had faced it before, but yeah, I couldn't really embrace that. <laughs> it was, it was really, really hard. I said to my younger self, Oh, okay. You are scared and I'm scared now, but. And then I thought, okay, it's, it's okay for the moment. But then I started my day and it always popped up again and again. And, um, it was this, what some meditation teachers call the monkey mind. And I said, Oh, okay, little monkey. 
you are still afraid. But at one time, I just said, Amen, shut up. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to hear this any longer and try to go back to my breath just to take to take uh, some deep breaths and let it go mm -hmm. but it always came up again and so i i went back to being angry really angry mm -hmm. turned on the music and i danced yeah beautiful that was better <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh well, I, I have the feeling I'm I'm stuck somewhere here. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I I came back. I had the feeling okay. I can handle this. I don't know. Does it just need time? Because this feeling is well. It's it has been with me for a really long time. Yeah. Well, first of all, Suzanne, I, I want to acknowledge you for what you did do because you really went through the first step, two steps, and that, that was brilliant. Secondly, the, the fear that came up, you were ve you're very close to something, and the anger that came up, you're very close to something. But then there's the, I don't want to have that. I don't want that. Yeah. So it's like we have this idea that being somewhere else is better than being here, which makes us not here, which is the human condition. Mm. So there's a taking the fear and the anger, those, those two parts, and really allowing yourself now, I say, can you love that fear? Well, if you can't love the fear, can you love what's happening in your nervous system that's actually protecting you? That's a childhood friend and recognize that it is your nervous system that's protecting you. So in order to embrace it, we need to really fully feel it. Dancing your anger is brilliant. That is a great way to do it because what we do is these parts are stuck in our body and we need to move. This suppressed energy, this frozen past is, there's no movement there. And what we need is movement, energy moving. These are all stagnant places. This, this is what metastasize into illness, this suppression when we can't feel it. So we have to go into the body and really feel that. And what you did naturally and knew to do to move your body was exactly what you have to do. Now, the, the trap that we get into is doing this to get rid of something if you're if you're doing meditation or you're doing the practices or you're doing all these things to get rid of something then that's kind of like the booby prize you know because what you lose is your center you lose your yourself 
it's that <laughs> I'm thinking of the Yeats poem. He says, turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the earth. Mm -hmm. What happens is that you get in that further and further away from your own center, from spirit, from your soul. And you have to bring yourself back to really allow yourself to feel those things and and love those parts. Now, here's the thing, the other part of it that's in there. If you look at that anger or the fear, but let's take the anger, you'll see that there were other times in your life where you had that kind of anger. Yes? Yes. At politicians, at something very much to do with someone has power over you, right? Yeah. And so that's the issue there. I have yeah. to go in and feel it and recognize, wait, I'm not really angry with this politician that I think I'm angry with. I'm angry from something a long time ago that where someone had, uh, I, I had the perception of someone that had power over me and I was helpless. And so that's the anger that's frozen there that has you react to the politician. But what really needs to be released is the anger when someone at an earlier age you felt had power over you. And then you could also bring in the fear and look at that and say, ha, huh, I was really scared. This thing happened to me. Does anything come to mind in what I'm saying, Suzanne? Like an um, image, earlier image? Yes. Yeah. Um, wanna... Yes, I. Mm, it's an, a very early image mm -hmm. where I had to. Um, my father was killing um, rabbits. Mm -hmm. And um, they were my friends. Mm -hmm. And I tried to just stop him. I couldn't. I think I was four or five years old. Yeah. Well, I, I was helpless and um, I had more than one situation like this where uh, I would uh, try to protect something or someone helpless. Yeah. Some, sometimes I succeeded also when I was, was older in this. I always protected my little sister when uh, somebody came and, and would uh, wanted to terrorize her or so um, older children. I said, hey, come on, take someone uh, your, your own age. And I went after them. But this early, early, I couldn't do it. Yeah, you and couldn't do it. That's there's right. This, there's this helplessness and, and this fear. Well, I, I saw this uh, other times also, but I, I don't know, know well what, what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, what to do is, that, see, that's the problem. Then we immediately go, what shall I do? Mm. We need to take the doing out of us and feel that feeling of being helplessness, mm. feeling not just it's not just the fear what i when i'm listening to you i feel the deep sadness and grief 
of mm. not being able to do something. But look and see, how did you adapt to that? You already said it. How did you adapt to that? Well, I uh, would become the, uh, the protector. You became the protector. Exactly. And exactly. At, at some, at, uh, at some time, the, uh, even the protector of my mother. Yeah. At the age of 14. Yeah. So that's the strength that's gotten there. You know, so you, you have a strength, but you still have a reaction. Now, the beauty of this is to be, to really be a protector, you need to feel the feelings of the hurt part of you that wanted to save the rabbits, that wanted to protect your mother, that wanted to be the protector. Because then, when you actually embrace all of that, you have more compassion and more empathy and more ability to actually feel the feelings of the people who are needing to be protected. Oh my God, not more. I, <laughs> well, I, I feel so much. Yeah, yeah, but it's... I, I, have, I'm more, I have the feeling I have to sometimes really protect myself from all this emotional input that that's absolutely correct you do need to know when to say stop and allow it just to rest or to go dance or to do just like you're saying what i'm saying is that as you do this you, you with awareness you create more capacity to hold the challenges so when you stand up for something, you stand up for something. I'm going to say this in a funny way because I've been in the climate change conference all week, two weeks, is that you return to nature, to not just your nature, but the ability to sense what's needed and wanted. So a protector who's reacting is different than a protector who is a fully informed and responding protector. So you rehabilitate your capacity to do something that you're called to do that was likely part of your journey handed down from ancestors and before. So, yes, timeouts, absolutely. But you see, as you create more interior capacity by bringing more awareness, you actually and more presence to the situation because your anger right now is going out there towards someone, but it's really about something that happened back way earlier, three or four years old. Mm -hmm. So you can't adequately respond to the situation that ha that's happening because you're reacting to a situation that happened a long time ago. And mm -hmm. how do we, how do we go transcend that? You know, we don't get rid of it. We create more capacity for it to exist. We thank our nervous system for creating the way that we adapted and for protecting ourselves when the grief of just from the rabbits, the grief is overwhelming and the reaction to that. And so, again, there's nothing broken and there's nothing wrong. What there is, is a disconnect from our relatedness to the world and to other people and to nature.
So why do we have climate change? Is because we're completely disconnected from the natural world. We don't think like nature of everything being connected and everything being interdependent. We think from a one of the 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 most basic trauma responses is the reinforcement of the belief, the lie that we're separate. So it creates separation. And so when we heal these parts of us, that's why, you know, I say uh, the physical, the emotional, the mental and the relational. Because these things that have happened to us break our relatedness to the world. They break our ability to fully relate. Now, to know, let's say, your father and recognize that your father's father probably did the same thing, killed rabbits. That's how they ate. And, and, and your grandfather and your great-grandfather all the way back, that is handed down where there was a sensitivity that was numbed. Now, in certain indigenous communities, you wouldn't have that because the rabbit would be offered from a sacred perspective, from a connection with the uh, interconnection of all of life, the rabbit with the grasses, with the trees, with the, you know, our ability to survive and all of that. But that didn't come through your particular lineage. And so when you do that healing, it really heals your ancestral cycle also and certainly your dependents. You have children? No. No children, okay. Well, they're all our children anyway. <laughs> so now let's take a breath with that and just uh, breathe that in. So. And just feel what's happening in your body right now. It's a little more space. Mm -hmm. I felt very um, tight in my third chakra. Mm -hmm. And um, more spacious now. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just a little more space. Mm -hmm. And it keeps coming back and you keep noticing it. You presence it, you witness it, you embrace it, and you get a little more space. There's still things from my childhood I'm still embracing. I'm 76 years old, you know? Mm. And you have to then find someone. I'm really happy that you're doing the weekend parent reparenting meditation mm. weekend that, that's coming up. And you're also in the, the next advanced course. So you're going to get a lot of support in that. And, <laughs> and that, that will be helpful. But just this work, you can feel how there's a... I could feel a kind of like that, mm -hmm. that the tension released. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's enough for now, you know, mm -hmm. because your mind will come back to, yeah, but it's still broken. I still have anger towards this guy. No, that's not being where you are. Then you leave your body, then you leave your emotions and you're back in your head. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So is that good for now, Suzanne? Yeah, it's good. Thank right. you. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful work. Beautiful. Yeah, what else is happening there? Julie? 
feels like you have something you want to work with. Something you want to say, maybe. No, I'm just, um, I'm fascinated with where, was her name Susanna? She looks like she's in a yurt and it looks beautiful. And <laughs> uh, it seems like other people have more spaces that reflect their kind of earth-based, which I feel in here, but it doesn't really show externally. And I don't know, I don't really, I'm, you know, in process, but not feeling particularly like emotional or like I have anything that I need to try to bring out. And I know that there's times when I think that others are criticizing me and I just need to kind of ask, is it true? Is it really true? Can I be sure that it's true? And who would I be without this thought and recognize that, yeah, recognize that there's, you know, a fear of loss. I have the, I have the, the story that if I don't deal with the criticism, if I don't, if I ignore that somebody is criticizing me, then they will eventually leave me because I haven't, either change their mind that it's okay that I'm like this or I haven't fixed whatever conflict that criticism is a symbol of. I'm not entirely sure how far back that goes. Well, let me stop you just a second and say something that's really important. As a therapist and someone who's worked with a lot of people, I can tell you absolutely for sure that you cannot change your mind with your mind. Absolutely. I am not a cognitive behavioral therapist. I'm, I'm a, you know, body oriented somatic person. That's, that's how I work. And so most of us are trying to change our mind and our feelings that are happening in our body and our emotions with our mind. And all that does is keep, it's like a, you know, a mouse on a treadmill. It just keeps going around and around and around. So to really get a sense of this criticism that you react to and that you're sensitive to, when we have these incidents happen early on, we then begin to attract those situations because our nervous system is trying to show us so that we can heal. So you become a clearing for criticism. In other words, I'm always listening. Is that criticism? Is this criticism? How do I deal with criticism? Is this a, do they really mean that? Is it true about me? You're like that. What did you call it, Suzanne, in the head? I can't remember. I love that. Monkey, the monkey something. The monkey mind. Yeah, that's right. The monkey mind. Yeah. So we get in that monkey mind. But what there is when we're feeling that and, and, and feeling goes from the head when we're when we're going to our emotions, our experience of our emotions, it goes into the body. Then we, the body's the container. That's where everything is occurring, unfolding is happening. And so when we see ourselves going, you know, we, we scan for it. It's like, let's say I'm going to buy 
a the Tesla. Let's say I, let's say I want to get I want to buy a Tesla, right? And I sit down with my partner and I say, we should get a Tesla. You know, it's better for the environment. They've come down in price. And you say, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's let's look at that and think about see if we can afford to buy a Tesla. And then the next day you go and you drive to work in your Volvo or whatever. And what do you see on the road? Tesla's everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> it must have turned out another 20,000 Teslas in my town. That's what I mean, being a clearing for something. So you have become a clearing for criticism to show up. But what there is to do with that is to actually go deeper and feel that sense of, oh, I really feel criticized. Where do I feel that in my body? And I zoom in and I find it in my body. And then I go and I, and I allow my awareness and I sit with it. That's why it, those of you who are interested in the advanced course, you have to have a solid meditation practice to be in the advanced course because it'll just start being a bunch of concepts that are being fed to you and it'll be interesting and it'll be information up here but not information in my body and literally in formation it forms how my body the capacity of my body if you do you want to work on just do a little piece with me oh sure so first of all, let's just close our eyes for this. And, and so you're not seeing other people and I'll close my eyes and we'll do this together. Okay, Julie. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want you to just remember a time, the earlier, the better, but remember a time when you really felt criticized. And let me know when you're in touch with that. Okay. Okay. Good. So now I want you to just get an image of that and take ourselves back to that image. How old are you? Um, I'm under 10, but old enough apparently to take out the trash. Okay. Okay. Good. So, and who said what? My dad hollered at me to take out the trash. Mm -hmm. And he was yelling my... I had thoughts like what I, I don't remember it well, but what I remember is like my dad yelled at me to take out the trash. And my thought was like, where did that come from? It must not have to do with me. It's just, I'm the only one who can yell at because he can't yell at my mom because she's his peer and he can't yell at my sisters because they're handicapped. Uh -huh. So it wasn't just the trash. It sounds like yelling at you had even happened before that because you had a memory of being yelled at. Just right? remember that being yelled at then. Okay, that's good. That's, that's fine. So just picture yourself back there at that time and your father yelling at you to take out the trash. What was the emotion that you were feeling at the time? Um, I think angry. Okay, angry. Uh huh. Anything else? No, just all I can really remember is angry. Like it's not fair. Why is you know? Yeah. Why do I? Why is he yelling at me? Why do I even have to do this? You Those know, are the I'm words like, I keep getting. This is not fair. Yeah. This is not fair. Brilliant. Now, where do you feel that in your body? 
Pretty much in the center of my chest. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm feeling also. Okay. So there's there's a feeling and, and how would you describe the emotion that goes with it's not fair? Is that the anger? Hopeless. Yeah. Yeah, that's more that feels more accurate. Thank you. Yeah, so there's a feeling of helplessness. There's some anger there. And the helplessness is a sad feeling. And the sadness, right. Yeah. I want you to just just sit with that and breathe into that. Feel that. Father's angry. Or your father's yelling. You feel a little anger, sadness. And just breathe into it. There's nothing to fix here. There's nothing to do. It's a natural response. And what did you make up about yourself? What story did you tell yourself when that happened? About yourself or the world? That I'll never be free. She'll never be free. I'll never be free. Yeah. Now feel that in your body. Let yourself just feel that. I get that you and me is feeling a lot of grief right now. You feel that? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that grief is your friend and you need to feel it. You need to honor it. It's a part of you. And it keeps you in stuck in the place of something's wrong. People are criticizing me. There's a sadness, a grief that goes very deep and very old and young. You feel that? In your chest, in your lungs. There's a tension. Yeah. So, is there an earlier sense of that that you feel? Any incident? I get it, it's a lot younger than the trash. No, I don't have any other early memories. Okay. Like, I don't have earlier memories. Really. Well, that's okay. That's that's a sign of, of trauma that we don't have earlier memories. That's uh, totally okay. It's the energy we want to work with. So what there is to work with now is to really feel the grief and the sadness that's there. Something's wrong. It's not something's wrong with me. Something's wrong. That's, like I don't want it this way. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting at, exactly. This shouldn't be, it shouldn't yeah. have this. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about, okay. So just um, really breathe into that and just feel it right now.
and go back to the, did you say seven-year-old? I don't know, somewhere between four and okay. nine, I guess. Yeah, go go back to that. That seven, uh, seven is probably right. That's that's what comes up for me. Go, just go back to the seven-year-old. And what would you say to this if this was your child and they were going through this and your father was yelling? What would you say to that child? Can you just imagine yourself telling her that? I don't know. This is where I feel like I fail as a parent, even. I mean, I'd have to pretend it was somebody else and not me. No, no, that's this, you know, see, that's that's directly connected to the feeling of being a failure as a parent. To heal that, you have to own that part of yourself. You're not failing as a parent. You're in a long lineage of ways of being that have passed down and reactions and nervous systems, responses, but you need to get related to it because if you can't fully feel it in yourself, you're not going to be able to feel it in your children. I don't know. I guess I'd say, yeah, that really is doesn't feel good and of course it doesn't feel good and you don't have to worry because even though you can't change him he can't limit who you become say that one more time even though you can't change it what even though you can't change him he can't limit who you become I don't know. It's I'm not sure it's very comforting to say something like that. But the only thing I can think to say is that you have some choices and, you know, eventually you'll be able to move away. But now that I'm an adult and I just find that my ex, you know, partner, you know, my son's dad is still doing the same thing, you know, yeah. limiting my freedom. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Feel that limiting of your freedom. Where is that in your body? It's starting to get here. Yeah. I just want to scream. That's right, your voice. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. And then I have shame about wanting to scream because it'll attract attention. Mm -hmm. Well, the one that needs attention is the younger self. That's who needs the attention, the love, the compassion. So, when you have these challenges, these difficulties come up, remember, you know, you've, you, you kind of are clearing for this to happen. Even the fact that you have, you know, the difficulty with your husband, you know, that's just a product of this continuation of this. And so what there is to do, do is to really love that, that 
younger self. And to, and to recognize that the frustration and the anger and the grief that you're feeling are your childhood friends that protected you when you were overwhelmed, when you were, you know, helpless and didn't understand why is this happening? So it, it creates a sort of prison because it becomes our narrative. Julie, thank you so much. Let's just take a breath together, okay? Yeah. Maybe a couple of breaths. Exactly, yeah. Open that up. So, you know, this is just a little picture of there's more. There's more to open. There's more capacity that you have to be with life. How many children do you have? Two. And how old are they? Twelve and sixteen. Twelve and sixteen, yeah. And so you're doing this work is going to spill out over onto them. So it's really important to do this work. They're going to be handling the crises that are ahead. So it's our job now to do our inner shadow work. And you have to recognize there's nothing broken. All there is is frozen parts that we need to, to thaw. That's what we're doing here. We're thawing these suppressed, dissociated parts of ourselves. Yeah. Thank you. That was really neat. I wasn't and expecting, I wasn't expecting anything, but yeah. I wanted to share something with the, the community that relates to what you just said. And it's that I read um, The Seed of the Soul, mm -hmm. a book, and, and in it, or I guess I was listening to it, um, and in it they say that the work you do will heal relationships with people that you're not even talking to. Like just doing this. And I was like, what? But honestly, my dad and I weren't really speaking at that point. And all of a sudden, like without even processing anything with him, that relationship shifted and he became like more respectful and all this weird stuff. I was like, oh man, that's weird. So and kind of a not suspicious but the skeptical i'm a little more skeptical than i wish i was when it comes to some of these things and that just that was kind of you know ex empirical for me and it felt like almost like data skeptical is way better than being resigned yeah it's actually a really positive place to be all the way to relationship with God, to be skeptical, but to be open. Skeptical at least reminds you to be open. You know, we are deeply, deeply interrelated with everything. We have to stop thinking like a human and think like nature. Everything works together in nature. You look out your window and you see a tree that's like all gnarled and crooked and coming out of a rock or something. You go, well, that's a bad tree. I want just nice straight trees, you know, that are full and beautiful. But think about what it took for that tree, for the life to come through that tree with the rocks that it had to push through, with the lack of moisture, with the lack of nutrients in the soil. 
and yet life wants to live and it's coming up through that tree. It's a beautiful tree. But then we look at other people that are broken, like your father, and we, we can't see what it took for him to become him and how that's been handed down. When we think of ourselves as a victim or something, it's a way of dissociating and bypassing the pain that's there. When we can feel what, you know, what was going on with our father and our grandfather and our great-grandfather and our ancestors, and they all want to heal too. There's a, their, their bodies may not be around, but there's a force behind us that is saying, hey, humans, you're not separate. <laughs> and our ancestors are all part of us so everything is connected to everything else and that's beautiful that he's softening and opening and i would say that the more you practice try to do your practice even if you do 10 minutes a day you know have a meditation practice take time to contemplate walk in nature prayer prayer is is very powerful. It's just acknowledging there's a higher source. You know, a lot of people are really God. No, I don't do God. I'm an atheist or whatever. But, you know, it's just that we all have a higher source. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. We Earth Radio is an independently produced program supported by listeners like you. We are committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or listen to any of our past shows, go to our website, welloflight.com. Thank you so much for your commitment to a world that works for all life.